Ever seen a perfect performance in sport? The coming together of hard work, preparation, and on-the-night execution. It's quite a rare thing to see, but you know when it happens, you're witnessing something truly historic. Luckily for us, there's been plenty of those kind of moments in combat sports, and in MMA, sometimes to beat a challenging opponent, you need the perfect game plan. So I thought today it could be fun to look at some of the most iconic performances against some of the legends of the sport and break down how they beat them. I'm Bailey and from MMA On Point, shout out to our Hall of Fame channel members, thank you for the support, and this is how perfect game plans solved legendary fighters. So first up, we're going to take a look at Dominic Cruz versus Cody Garbrandt. Now, Cody executed a perfect game plan, but before we got to have a look at what it was that he did, we have to have a look at what makes Dominic Cruz so special as a fighter. With Dominic Cruz, we're going to look at three main things he did. Using his head movement to bait out all the attacks, attacking and blitzing in a straight line and pushing his opponents back, and also getting people to chase him and then counter him. So with Dom, we're going to have a look at how he uses that head movement to bait out attacks from his opponent and starts to make reads. A little dip in level change, pulls out a big uppercut here from Charlie Valencia. This is back in the WEC days. Very similar to Ian McCall, little slip to the outside, baits out the big overhand right. It was never going to enter. And again here as well, level change to the outside, and then the blitz straight down the middle. Dom is nowhere to be seen. Very hard to catch clean, constantly making his opponents jump, leap forward into him. And this is not where all his offense comes from, but this is definitely how he starts to establish reads on his opponent, gets them to, to miss things. Level change on Faber here comes up into a lovely lead hook and then fires back a combination. And here against Faber in the later fight, slip to the outside, and now Faber's trying to read the distance, read the distance, still moving, and then he can come back with the big left hand when he's already got his opponent waiting for this shot to come. So that's one thing Dom's always really good at, entering in these weird angles, coming off to the side, and getting you to try and bite on these feints and open yourself up, and you're never quite sure when he's attacking, or when he's exiting, or when he's just trying to get you to react. So here we go against Ian once again. Dom's going to move forward and blitz, and Ian just comes back, 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 and he ends with a kick right there as well. When you retreat like that, you're just giving Dom the space to end with these kicking combinations. All these fakes here, fades out the right reaction from Brian, and then here comes forward once again with another lovely blitz and a leg kick this time that even sits him down as well. And a lot of people, what ends up happening is they just start blitzing towards Dom. And Dom is really good moving backwards and taking those blitzes, coming off to the side and landing shots. So he's got Ian McCall up against the fence right here. Ian blitzes back with a combination. Dom just cuts the angle beautifully and right back on the attack. Again, here against Brian, little fake, baits out this big right hand from Brian. Dom's already gone and it's that angled off straight right as well. Against Joby here, didn't really know what to do. Ended up just blitzing in a straight line, gets caught in the exact same right hand. Same thing again here, Uriah's trying to blitz, but Dom just turns the momentum around at him. So running forward at Dominic Cruz is always a bad idea. Even TJ, someone with great footwork, couldn't figure out the best way to do it. To the point where he was missing big on kicks like this, just trying to reach Dom. Now at this point, Cruz had never lost the bantamweight title. It was a really big performance for Cody Garbrandt. But let's have a look at the ways he countered this game plan of Dominic Cruz. The first thing Cody did was not bait on any of these fakes. You see Dom trying to level change to the outside. No overreaction from Cody. He's staying in his stance. You might see him level change slightly, but he's not swinging and he's not reacting with punches. Catches Dom with his legs together here after the feint and then decides to blitz forward and attack. So you can tell Cody really tried to analyze the exact moments when Dom is vulnerable while doing those fakes. If you attack as he's baiting you in, you're gonna swing and miss, but he was waiting for the reset and then blitzing. So he was taking Cruz out of his timing and attacking on his own time. So another thing Cody did was get really good reads on the actual head movement of Dom as well. We know he likes to enter from the left, and then he'll switch his weight to the right-hand side. And Cody started to find the pattern to this. So he knew when he would come to the right, he was going to end up on the left 
So he wouldn't throw the right hand. He would load the left hook, waiting for Cruz to return on the opposite side. So right here we see Dom switching from the left to the right, goes to his left, comes back to the opposite side. And you'd think the right hand is here and Cruz, Cody throws it, but he chambers the left hook behind it because he knows Cruz's head is now on the opposite side. Comes to his left, goes to his right, dips, the head's on the right hand side, lovely pull out from Dom right here, but he's gone back to the left. He's gonna go to the right. And so what does Cody do? Switches to the right hook because he knows he's going back in that opposite direction. Cody never retreated in a straight line in this fight. It was either holding his ground and slipping or always cutting an angle back to the center of the octagon. So Cruz is advancing, pressuring here, and Cody just takes a nice angle back to the center, ready to put the weight back on that right hand and fire. Same thing again here as Cruz is trying to advance, trying to blitz forward. Cody never chases Dom. If he swings and misses big and the, the distance gets created, he resets. Dom's trying to pressure. Cody says, no, no, no. And he's literally pointing back to the center where he can control the space, wait for Cruz to come to him, and then either counter or make a read on the head movement entries. He's not chasing Dom. He's just cutting angles right back to the center. Four rounds into this fight for perfectly executed game plan. Again, he catches him here with the right hand, but he's going to switch back to the left. And that's where he catches him with the left hook again, free to just sit and relax because he's just knocking him down with every shot he throws now. So he basically found a way to count the crews in every step of the game plan and found a way to beat a guy who, you know, everyone pretty much had trouble with. All right, so game plan number two we're going to talk about is Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor 2. We'd never seen Conor McGregor lose a striking battle. Dustin came up with a game plan to dissect Conor McGregor, pick apart his weaknesses, and then capitalize on him. We're just going to have a look at the weapons that he used in that Dustin Poirier rematch, and that's mainly his boxing. So we know the big weapon for Conor is the straight left, but something he always does first is make a connection with his lead hand. 90% of the time when they land clean is because he established his lead hand first. Against Dennis Siva, touches with the lead right, and then he's got the range, got the distance, and he can power through with the back left. Against Chad Mendes, touch with the right, bam, the left hand comes down the chamber. And again, he even locks up with Chad here. And he knows if he's touching this, that left hand's in range, it's a range finder, it's all manner of things. It's a defensive tool, that lead hand. But Connor almost always establishes this lead hand before that straight left comes down the middle. Now, I'm gonna talk about why this is important in just a second. Let's also talk about another element of Connor's game, is that whenever people jump forward and blitz to attack him, he's fantastic at sliding backwards and then countering. So against Bushinger here, big right hand from Bushinger, and Connor drops him. And obviously the finish in this fight as well, Connor establishes the lead hand as well, slips back as the right hand comes and drops a straight left on him. Eddie Alvarez tried to blitz him, got caught with a big straight left. Even Nate Diaz steps really forward into that jab, just gets a left hand right over the top of the guard. And another big weapon Connor has that got him loads of finishes is getting his opponent to retreat along this fence line on the opposite side for this left hand to come straight across. So we finished Brandao as he's circling away. Chad Mendes here, too tired to keep the right hand even up. And also gotta be careful of this left hook as well. I mean, Nate's trying to parry the jab, but this left hook that wraps around the side, especially against southpaws, is a real big weapon right here as well. Exactly the same sequence from Nate. And that one really crushed Poirier in the first fight. And it was even the kind of the sequence that led to the finish right here as well. The left hand wrapping around the side of that right hand. But we do know this about Connor as well at this point in his career, that if you can trap him against the fence and swarm him, he has real difficulty getting guys off there. He needs space to operate. There's more to Connor's game than just that, but what he brought to the Poirier fight is essentially those tools. And this is how Dustin Poirier found a way around that game plan, came with his own and completely picked up a part. So the number one thing you're gonna talk about is the leg kicks. But before every leg kick, Dustin was the one making connections with his lead hand, and then he would chop with this low kick. Whenever Dustin goes with this lead hand, and Connor's gonna parry with his left hand, what Connor also likes to do is load his left hand. We'll put his weight over to the side. So if you're reaching, he'll lean and reach like that. But all that does is put all this weight 
on his lead leg. So you'll notice whenever Dustin's touching, all that information processes and he touches and he's reaching, and then the leg kick comes with all this weight loaded on this front leg. So again, this is Connor all the way on the front leg like we just talked about. Dustin establishes, touches, Connor's weight shifted over the right-hand side. Same thing again, touching, gets him to think about the boxing, pulling out of range here. And every time he touched, it seemed really easy for him to just chop and land that calf kick and just had McGregor thinking about other things. And he completely won that lead hand space that Connor usually uses to set up his straight left. Another big weapon for Dustin in this fight was that lead hook. So you see Connor throw his straight left right here. They meet with jabs and Dustin pulls and a beautiful lead hook over the top. Now becomes a shot from for Dustin. This is 20 seconds into the fight and he knows how he wants to end it. Parry, slip this hand time as well. He's got this right hook up really, really high. And look at all the weight coming over on Connor's leg. He's so overextended from these uppercuts. There's such a nice angle right there, that lead hook to come around on the chin. And again, this beautiful cover cover that we saw against Charla, and then bam, right into this lead right hook again. And he knows he caught him with it right there as well. Now this one kind of gets through, which is a little dangerous, you know, because it could have put him out. But what does Dustin do in a situation like this? Immediately goes back on the attack, which a lot of people don't do against McGregor as well. They, they take the shot and they fade back and then just swarming and keep him against the fence. And when you're talking about someone who can unload punches nonstop, Dustin Poirier, a guy who stands square and just lets his hands go, is the perfect guy to do that for Conor McGregor. So it was winning the lead hand battle, turning that into a weapon against Conor, and then making him think about the boxing and chopping him while he's heavy on that lead leg, not circling along, keeping that right hand high, but also finding a way to counter that left hand and step out and land that right hook over the top over and over again. The final one we're gonna talk about today is a fight that happened recently, Sean Strickland, Israel Adesanya. This one was a bit of a big surprise. You know, looking at the fight on paper, it was kind of hard to see how Sean would even come up with a game plan to beat Izzy. There was maybe a couple of things he could do and he did them really, really well. But let's have a look first at what Israel Adesanya does. He's good at a lot of stuff, but definitely the things that played into the fight with Sean. So one massive part of Izzy's game is his fakes and his feints. Just by feinting, he can create so much space. So what you've seen right there is Izzy does one little fake, Brad Tavares gives him all this space and now he's given him the range to throw the kick. If you fake and you don't retreat, we're still in boxing range, so I can't kick you. Something else Izzy likes to do as well is stop and get you thinking about what we're doing and then explode with these big techniques as well. Izzy will move and slide and he likes to step slide back from stances, but then he'll stop and wait and then fire forward. So another example here, little fake, all this space gets created by Brad and now what can Izzy do? He can step in and throw a head kick because he's given him all that space to set up the head kick. In the Rob fight, this is the rematch. Rob likes to operate at a big distance as well. You'll see him constantly backing up because he wants space. But when you give Israel space, he can do his most damage. He can cover distance. This is a beautiful straight left he landed because he had the distance to step in and land it and he drops Rob with it. And that's why Rob had trouble in this matchup because he's always moving backwards. When you're blitzing on Izzy, he's so good at reading it and seeing it coming. Many people have trouble. Kananir had a real bad trouble. And we also see from Izzy, lead hand play. This is a big part of his game similar to Connor likes to gauge range with it bam it's a big weapon for him for keeping the distance for shoving something in your face but also setting up different attacks now Sean didn't do any of those things really he had his own game plan and it worked really effectively to just nullify everything that Israel is pretty damn good at so the first thing Sean does is not fight on any of the fakes really even when he does he barely takes a step back he maintains his position right in front of Israel, no matter what Izzy throws at him. So you have Izzy here trying to walk, just trying to create some space. Sean's staying right along the fence line. All these fakes from Izzy right here. Sean not reacting at all, barely takes a step back, immediately retakes the space, and just staying right in front of him. So Izzy can't get him to back off. He can't create that space with just his fakes. Something else Sean does in this fight a lot is lift up 
his legs. So you'll see lift up the rear leg, lift up the back leg, just constantly lifting this leg up. When you're lifting this lead leg up, you might be trying to check a kick. You know, it's also a fake. There's, you know, advantages and disadvantages to it. But in this fight, Sean used it as a fake, as a way to defend leg kicks, and also as a way to close the space. Because if he lifts his leg up, Izzy moves backwards, and then he can lift the other leg up, and he can lift the other leg up. And all of a sudden, he's gone four or five steps across the octagon without doing anything, also being defensively aware of the leg kicks and just pushing Izzy back, basically. He also later starts to turn this into a teep kick and then controls the distance even more. But just him lifting up his legs in this fight was a really good sort of part of the game plan helped put Izzy exactly where he wanted it. So here he is again, staying in Izzy's face, keeping the high guard, lifting up the legs. And one thing we notice is that Izzy starts to get this lead hand dominance. Sean does something very clever to deal with this lead hand. He starts to grab it with both hands. And then after he starts to get the timing on that, he starts to throw strikes off it. So as Izzy's trying to frame, Sean's literally grabbing it, picking his leg up, teeping, firing right hands over the top. And now he's got Izzy standing still in front of him. And here we go, leg fates, back Izzy up leg fates backing Izzy up out of range for the head kick and all of a sudden boom he's right in front of him this jab that is basically connecting it's not like he's stepped in massively he's just taken the left foot forward and put it straight on the chin not many people could get Israel Adesanya to stop in front of the cage like this basically when he throws this right hand just gonna replace the left with the right turn the shoulder over barely even moves and Izzy obviously trying to counter with the lead hook and gets caught the left hand has pulled down the glove to open up the channel for the right and Izzy's eyes are closed this left hook he's throwing here is just a reaction he's just got his eyes closed against the fence and he's just going to try and left hook his way out of it another thing sean did amazingly was stop all these leg kicks i mean he walked him down constantly and got out of the way of tons of these leg kicks whether it was because he was lifting that lead leg up or just doing the little minimal movement just pulling his hips away there was no big retreat off a leg kick or anything like that it was just a little movement and then straight back on the pressure sean just forced izzy to fight at a range where Israel is not effective. He needs space and he needs distance to set his strikes up. Yes, we've seen him get crowded and flowed against the cage and he gets those knockout shots, but Sean didn't really overcommit to anything and give Izzy an opportunity to slip and rip and roll. And when he tried to, he got put down because of it. Stayed in his face and made him fight at a range that Izzy just cannot. All right, everyone, hope you enjoyed today's video. Something very different today, a bit similar to the breakdown series, if you ever see it. I kind of like the idea of maybe looking back some old fights and maybe something that's new and relevant, trying to come up with a fun video that we can break down and look through some of the greatest game plans that's always fun there's more we can do but if you've got any ideas let me know down below and let me know if you enjoyed this as well a uh, quick shout out to luke taylor mr lukey boy he's over there he's not coming on camera right now but he did edit this video so if you enjoyed it check out his social media at call to me underscore show him some love and appreciation uh he works really hard always be sure to thank him i want to say shout out to our channel champions as well you guys support us in our members section down below if you want to join them you can to get access to the podcast episodes access to the writers meeting if you want to come and join that as well and just supporting the channel so all the details down below if you want to become a member get out of here you filthy animals go watch some fighting i'll see you in the next one